Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat, coming at you from literally my kitchen in the cat cave in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, recording the intro on my phone, just because it's easier than setting up the old equipment. Uh, what a great episode. This episode, to me, is very special because it's like the reason I have in one of the joys I think it has come from having a podcast for anyone out there. If you're on the fence about starting a podcast, fucking do it. It is the best excuse to get to talk to people that you want to talk to, but we may would have no other way to do it. I love a show I zombie, so Bob uh, Bob Dearden is returning guest as a writer, story editor. He's uh, been there for a long haul of iZombie. So not only was he nice to come on the show once, he's coming back again. Uh, my wife and I watched season four twice, and I just finished season four. So the second time it's on Netflix. If you haven't watched the show, go on, watch it. And it was just fucking nuts. I feel like I kind of know this dude. He's really, really nice. He's a funny guy. And I was just like, uh, season four was amazing. It was really different, and I can geek out with you. And like, It's great. I got to talk to one of the people who created a piece of art that I love, and that's the best part about doing a podcast. Um, I'll keep these intros short. They're kind of boring. Anyhow, the new intro music we have, uh, thank you for our previous guest, Chris, from Scream Hello. Uh, we're going to be using Scream Hello's 2021, which is a song I cannot get out of my head. So thank you, Chris, for letting us use that. As always, you can find me on all the things at Let's Chat Podcast. I am the most active on Twitter. My email is at, um, Let's Chat Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will also have a new episode this month, and hopefully some cool stuff coming in the pipeline for August. All right, let's get to it. Allow me to geek out on you for a little bit, because damn, that season was... Um, <laughs> my wife and I just finished it, the second watch again, like, last uh, two nights ago. Oh, yeah. So, whew! You went uh, all the way back through it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well you know, I watched it when it aired, every right. night live, uh, which I, I really liked, but it's the only... <laughs> I have, a, like, a one-year-old, so staying up till 10 was surprisingly hard for us, so I like, right. enjoyed it, so I felt like watching it the second time i like got a lot more i was like oh this is what it's like to be awake when you watch it <laughs> but no well, I, I think it's a lot fresher in uh in your mind than it is in mine in that case um but that's all right i always wonder that with like uh writers and stuff like do you watch your own work i can only imagine that i could see why you would want why you would want not want to yeah, I don't think it's so much like, um, you know, you always hear actors talking about how they never watch themselves or just people in general that don't want to hear their, their voice on a recording or something. I don't, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. put it in that category. Um, but, you know, we watch the, the cuts um, when they're ready while we're working on the, you know, subsequent episodes in the writer's room. Uh, but we're typically wrapped in the writer's room by like, like the last cut we saw last year altogether, I think was maybe episode eight or nine, something like that. Um, but then we also have access to um, like a post-production platform that allows us to see the, the cuts that have happened after we've wrapped. So we, we can kind of watch all the episodes, um, you know, sometimes without all the VFX done, but for the most part, all the, the final cuts uh, before the episodes even air, since we're pretty much wrapped like two months before, we're wrapped our finale, you know, two months before our season premiere. Um, so we've seen them all. And then when they air, uh, I do watch them more often than not, but it's not like an every night, every week thing. Um, I mean, I definitely watch mine, uh, just to see what people are saying about it on Twitter and stuff. But, uh, but you know, if I'm, if I have plans that night, uh, I can rest easy knowing I've already seen the episode and I was there when we decided what was going to be in the episode. So I'm not really missing out on too much. And then of course we'll have like a, 
big group get together uh, for the for the finale, uh, which we did at our co-creators' house this year, and some of the cast was there and stuff, and a bunch of people that work on the show, not just the writers. So that's always fun. But I will admit, I. I had to ask a few people what was happening in the finale because I hadn't seen like the two episodes prior. Oh, uh, so that emotional weight probably didn't hit you the same. Well, it, it never does because I always, even if I've forgotten, like I'm, there's no, there's never going to be a huge surprise. That's true. Um, and I, I've also been there while we've like sort of spitballed other ideas. And there, there is a, like an current, I think, uh, you know, when you're anyone but the person making all the big decisions for, of like, oh, I think we should have gone with my idea there. I think I, <laughs> yeah, that little pang of like, I told you so, um, which you don't actually verbalize to anyone, but your people that are at the same level. So you can, you know, you can bitch to each other, but you of course would never say it to the, you know, the cast or the, uh, the showrunner unless you, unless you don't like your job. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm curious. Um, so anyone out there, season four is now on Netflix, get your ass on it. Um, so it, it was, different and um which um, <laughs> like i don't mean that state. in a bad way it, it was well now actually i'm curious as writers like were you got i see it wasn't different in terms of writing it felt like the same stories it just you could really tell there was a different direct uh direct uh directorial um difference in this it, it just had a different visual style which right. uh, are you guys writing differently are you aware of that when you guys are starting or is it like oh it's all the same uh, if memory serves, at the beginning of season four, our big thing, uh, you know, that was different was just that, you know, there was a whole new world order in place in Seattle, obviously. Um, and, you know, how, how much of the um, allegorical sort of uh, truths, I guess, of our, our current political climate do we want to play into and how much do we want to just keep this unique to our sort of genre specific zombie story? Um, but you know, there was a lot of discussion about like, what, what does Seattle, what does life in Seattle look like now? Um, and I think that's where you get some of the bigger swings, uh, and some of that manifested visually, you know, you have, uh, you have the wall, you have the guillotine, you have Angus and his, his followers in the church. And so you've got a couple of more like, um, pockets of uh of characters and of this world that we wanted to highlight um so i don't know that we ever discussed that and you know i'm not privy to many of the discussions between the higher-ups and the um and the directors but as far as i know i don't think there was any um mission statement of like let's change the look visually i think it was more context that we just we were showing some different things to try and demonstrate what this world was we were sort of you know, we'd already done three seasons of world building, but now we were kind of rebooting uh, what that world was and, and trying to, to rebuild it for the audience so that everyone was sort of situated and and understood what it might be like in this new reality um, as a as a framework for everything that we wanted to do plot wise by the end of the season. Um, and that and that may be what led to the um, the the difference you sensed in like the you know the visuals of the show. It, it took it took a minute to get used to, but I I absolutely loved it. Um, it it's funny. I shot my friend uh, Nikolai, who I had just run into um, before we were recording this. At um, there's an event here we, every Friday called Food Truck Friday that we go to at the yep. park, and it's exactly what it sounds like. And I had turned her into turned her onto I Zombie, and so we yep. were like just geeking out over season four because she just watched it, and she's like, "That was totally the best season." I'm like, "I know." It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, that. Well, that, that is nice to hear. I mean, I, you know, it's such a, it's such a funny thing to get, um, access to the feedback we get now, right? Cause you've got, uh, a whole bunch of platforms that, uh, fans can talk to, you know, the cast and the showrunners, um, whether it's Twitter or podcasts or whatever that you didn't have even just like 10 years ago. Um, yeah. but it's also a little bit of a cherry picked selection, Terry, you know, there's, I wouldn't say it's exactly reflective of our audience as a whole. I mean, there is a certain type of fan that both wants to go on uh, these platforms in praise of the show and, and a certain type of fan that wants to go on these platforms to troll a show. Uh, yes. And it's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to comb through. Like it's hard to feel too high or too low when, uh, you know, the responses go one way or the other, because you don't really know how many people 
agree with the you know the few dozen people that you're interacting with so it is nice to hear that uh you know directly from you that you uh you and your friends both enjoyed the uh the last season because we we did take some big risk i mean that was uh yeah. A lot of a lot of swing, and so it's it's I'm, I'm kind of it was interesting to hear you say that like about the clear, uh, pl- current political climate. I thought you guys did this really cool thing where like you were definitely kind of hinting at some of the stuff that's going on here in the states, but also right. some of that stuff I also felt timeless. Like I'm like, well, even if you're not referencing the North Korea Trump thing today there's always right. the threat of nuclear war throughout history. Cause like the show exists right. in this weird bubble. It's not 2018. So I was like, it was so reminiscent of like, yeah, I thought that today, but if I watch this in five years, it, it wouldn't take anything away from it. So I, right. yeah. Now is that, was that intentional in the writings room? Um, like I felt like this season had a lot more la- uh, larger themes within it, which I was something I like, really was taken back by like, and the one scene when you guys have chase graves, literally just call it out for what it is. He's like, this is an autocracy. Uh, autocracy. Like I was like, oh, that's kind of hinted to right now. But autocracies exist prior to this administration, and and they will before and after. But like so stuff like that. Like it, it, I just found it was so fascinating for you guys to have this like, you're not even saying which. Well, I think it wasn't. They're not good. But like it was so interesting. Just when Chase Graves literally just calls out the like police state for what it is. I mean, and then the idea yeah. that the government is just like this leaning thing. It's like we're gonna nuke you. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, like I said, there there was definitely um, a lot of back and forth, and especially in the beginning of the season, as we we're trying to map out how uh, you know how everything was gonna was gonna look in New Seattle and what the points of tension would be. Um, you know, we used as a reference point uh, not only what was happening now. In fact, that was probably the the less frequent example that we would bring up, or we'd bring it up in a sort of a joking way. You know, just how like we're making this ridiculous uh, sort of not ridiculous in a negative way. But I mean, it's a it's a pretty goofy concept that, you know, sentient zombies are uh, have taken over an American city. Um, and so we we'd reference what's happening now almost in a joking way. Like, can you believe that our, uh, you know, our crazy, like pre-apocalyptic uh, comic book based show is actually less crazy than some of the stuff that's going on in the real world. Um, <laughs> but we, yeah, but I mean, there's, there's countless examples um, throughout 20th century history and earlier of, you know, a, a, a sort of reaction to the, the other, um, the idea of occupied territories and that sort of thing is certainly not new. So there was a lot of, you know, we'd talk about um, East Germany post world war two kind of thing. Uh, as an example, and especially in terms of um, you know the, the different smuggling operations, uh, were sort of drawn from that as inspiration. But um, as far as the uh, the chase stuff that you mentioned, um, I think one thing that uh, I'm certainly not taking credit for it was uh, I believe it was mostly from Rob and Diane, but the idea that we really wanted to not just paint him as um, an autocrat without, you know, just sort of like off his rocker without any justification for what he was doing. We wanted to, wanted to give people like a sense that he's in a really, really tough place. And from his perspective, uh, these are all tough choices and, and he is, uh, you know, making decisions based on what is the, you know, what is the lesser of two evils or what is the lesser of many evils in some cases. And I think, um, that's not necessarily the way we, we view autocrats from history uh, or dictators from history, but I'm sure while their uh, dictatorship was flourishing, they viewed themselves in much the same light. I've, you know, got difficult decisions to make and, and, uh, but I'm the leader and this falls on me and heavy is the head and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, which of course is not me justifying any of the actions of dictators throughout history. I'm just saying that, the idea that we tried to go with is that um, let's make sure that we're we're portraying the difficulties of being in Chase Graves' position with all these different uh, elements pulling him in different directions and all these you know people in his inner circle sort of trying to whisper in his ear to go one way or the other and uh, and wrestling with that and, and hopefully by the end even though he is you know a little more off the deep end um, by the last few episodes. 
we've hopefully hopefully uh, shown a journey where you can understand how that happened, that that's not what he was at the beginning, but all these pressures sort of uh, coalesced and, and uh, led to his ultimate um, sort of self uh, – self-imposed uh destruction you know it's, it's funny you say that because this is this i promise this will relate but there was just recently um a very good article of um i'm not sure do you, do you know of like the coke i don't know if you're a very political person but uh do you know who the coke brothers are i do okay yeah yep. so there was some amazing interviewer like from the times just did this interview with them and um some psychological research to back up from her arguments is uh so basically she came off very surprised at the Koch brothers of all the negative press that they get because in their heads they truly believe they're doing what's right and it was kind of tight and I, I was reading this very interesting article about how people and everyone actually views themselves even when they're wrong as the hero of their own story so like right. and I, I i was and there's an, so as i was like reading that i was like and it, it did make me think of chase graves a lot like it had like um almost like um like in black panther if you saw the um, what was it the michael b jordan character like you start to kind of agree with him so it was interesting right. where yeah like J chase graves wasn't like a villain but he was but he wasn't like i know i kept kind of going back and forth with him um Right, and, and it's interesting, I, I, and that, but that's why I liked it. It wasn't like another show. I, I mean, I loved the first three seasons. I thought they were amazing. But when you guys took this big risk, it felt like a new show, but the same show. But like, and you work for this network, so some of those superhero shows that I don't watch anymore got very repetitive because it just became the same thing: big, bad, and over. And I Zombie did not do that in season four. It was just like let's take on some really complex uh, themes and have an emotional weight that I, I thought, I'm not going to lie, I found myself, like, crying in two episodes. And a show about zombies, that's not supposed to happen. I, it was just right. amazing. Uh, well, that, that's, I feel like I should take credit for all of it, so let's, let's do just... It. I, I give it to you. And I, let's say that I'm sure you none know. of that would have happened without me. I'm sure you know which scenes. Like, the the scene with, uh, what was the little actor, the girl's name, when they showed the video? Is it Isabel? Yeah. Fuck you guys. I was so mad at all. I was like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> like that. Oh, that hurt. It was so good. And then that last scene with Liv was just so, I don't know. It just got me right in the feels. Yeah. I mean, uh, credit to the performers in those cases, to the actress that plays Isabel. I uh, apologize. I don't know her name offhand, but she, I think, did a fantastic job. And obviously, Rose always comes to play. Um, you know, and she did, I think she is a. A, uh, a phenomenal actress from a lot of angles, but dramatically, especially. Um, and you know, the nature of our show is we don't lean into um, really heart wrenching scenes that often. But when we do, we always know that you know Rose is going to hit it out of the park. Which is, I mean, that's a nice when when you're when you're a writer who's fairly new to the game um, and constantly worried that uh you know something's not going to go the way you'd hoped or uh you know that somehow uh the choices that you're making uh just won't won't turn out quite right uh and that's i'm referring to myself as being in that position um it is such a comfort to know that you have not only rose but i mean the rest of the cast as well who even when you hand something in that's like uh, maybe you didn't quite do exactly what you meant to do, you know that they'll carry you the rest of the way and you'll end up looking good because of it, which is, I mean, that sounds pretty ass kissy because it is. And I just desperately want them all to be my friend, but it's also, it's also true. Like it's nice when you, when you write something and, and see the best possible version of that, or even a better version than you imagined, uh, once it's in their hands, you know what I mean? Once you see it performed. No, oh, oh no, definitely. I mean, I, I get mad that Rose doesn't get more recognition because she has to do her character on a different brain in every. I mean, I'm sure everyone said the same thing, but it's amazing. She's. Yeah. I mean, everyone on that show, but like particularly, she has to change her character. Actually, I remember I talking to both you and Rahul like right before season four ended, and both of you kind of saying that his story because he was he wasn't very loved in season three, but I right. totally see where he kind of the redemption of his character in season four, everyone in this story just had these amazing, like transform, like from seat from, from like episode one to, ep uh, to, to the end of season four, 
the trans like someone like major like an actor like him too because he's like such a beautiful looking man that could be easily just like not taken seriously yeah yeah he just has that look but then like yeah they both go from like goody goodies and then they end like it's it's magneto and professor x where they both end up on the opposite coin of really trying to do what they think is right where um i personally my heart is more into like the the live side of things i'm not really a fascist type but (laughs) i get it yeah, yeah but but it was interesting um how did you guys come up with that idea of the smuggling like I think it's, I know it's like a lame, but like that show about zombies and death, I never have ever ever ever. Well, I'm not like a zombie connoisseur, so maybe if anyone listening, maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm there is out there that I'm not sure. I've never seen a story where someone would become a zombie and then use said powers for good. Um, I mean, when I know she was doing that to sell crimes and help people, and that was her nature, but she used her zombie powers to save lives. Like that storyline with Liv and the like, kind of like running the underground railroad. Like and then to weave it and you all weave it together, but that was like, was that something like Rob yeah. come, and Diane come up with and like, here you guys go, here's a gift, or we can we can give you all. Well, I, it's it's hard to remember because I think that was in discussions at the end of season three, like at the end of every season, we we have a a rough idea at least, um, well before we get to the finale, of what you know of where we're leaving the season off is it, what are what our new jumping off point is for the next season, so. Every season we have had a, you know, a day or two as we get to the end of our, um, you know, of our employment where we just, we stop talking about the season that is in progress and we start talking about like, Hey, what does this give us for next year? And, uh, you know, are we sure we want to end it the way that we, that we initially planned or do we need to tweak something based off of like potential brainstorms for what's coming up next year? So I, th- I think those many, like uh, it's over, it's almost two years ago probably that we first started talking about like what new Seattle would look like after the, um, the scratching as we called it, but the, uh, the illusion flu, uh, you know, in infection of 10,000 people with zombieism. Um, so it's hard to remember, uh, whose idea was what. Um, so I guess I can just go ahead and take credit for that one as well, but I, it all came from the, I mean, it came from two places, I, I think. Um, you know, one place was wanting to uh, have sort of a, a counterpoint to um, everything negative that was happening as a result of uh, the actions of Chase Graves. Um, you know, what what is something that can be a, a more heartwarming story or uplifting story uh, was, I think, the impetus of, you know, trying to, to, to get to what we got to with the renegade smuggling stuff. Um, but also the nature of the... Um, the version of zombieism that that the comic book played and that and that we have been playing uh, allows for some different sort of rules that you know it's not quite vampirism but it, it's a more uh, it's it's a different version of zombieism where uh, sentience is part of the equation uh, and so that just just by its very nature allowed us to do that sort of a story where you know we're we're always sort of debating like how how bad is zombieism? Like you have to eat brains and that kind of sucks and they might run out and people are scared of you and, you know, I'll run it, run the list all the way down, but you can't have kids, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, until there were 10,000 zombies in Seattle, your, your dating pool was somewhat limited. Um, especially if you <laughs> were dating live, in which case you're almost guaranteed to die. Uh, <laughs> My wife hates that yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's not the only one. Um, she's like, can you ask them why they do that? I was like, I no, I don't. Why? Why? Why do you guys you keep know? kill all of her? Uh, well, Victoria, if you listen to this, yeah. Why do you guys kill all of her lovers? Uh, I don't know that it was ever a, a plan in the beginning, but um, I, I at this point, it's just sort of funny. <laughs> um, I know, like it's. I, I'm not saying we, the decision is made solely based on that. We're not that callous, um, but that is, that is part of the discussions that uh, center around Liv's boyfriend these days. Is like, do we just lean into it and kill them all? Um, but in most cases, well, in every case, it, it was dictated by the individual story much more so than than our own sort of dark humor about it. Um, and it, it, you know, sometimes there's logistics, logistics involved as well. Like we're not sure that the actor will be available for anything less than a series regular role, or they might book a pilot or something like that. 
Uh, that's way above my pay grade. I just heard some people talking about that today with regard to one of our actors. Um, so sometimes there's just real world considerations like, and that applies to everything that we do, right? Like there's a, there's a blue sky version of the story that we play with. And then we, we have the reality of, can we afford that? Uh, does that fit into our schedule and so on and so forth? So there's a lot of like boring, tedious, uh, just sort of run of the mill logistics that end up influencing major creative decisions sometimes too. Uh, but we don't, we don't do it to, um, we, do, we don't kill the boyfriends just to be cruel, uh, just to get you to sort of fall in love with them along with Liv and then, and then rip the audience hearts out. Uh, there, there are always reasons and, and, you know, not always the same reasons from one to the other. Um, but I think for this last season, we just felt like going into season five, the place that we want Liv to be in, uh, might not leave a ton of room for a romantic storyline. Mm. I actually liked his death in the season, to be honest. I yeah. thought he's a great actor, and I like that. But as you say that, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm so curious to see like uh, what season five will be. And I know you can't talk about that, so I won't even be that person. Um, I'm actually curious. To, um, what was your reaction to? Um, so I know there, like anyone who's like me was following it. It was kind of in limbo if it was going to come back, and um, the fans really came out in 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 drives. Um, I mean that renew iZombie yeah. hashtag was fucking flooding my feed and uh that must have felt kind of cool yeah that was a, a very a generous and and i don't know if i was uh surprised by it necessarily um insofar as i don't know that i i had ever guessed what would happen one way or the other if we were on the bubble it seems like a, a lot of shows just because of the um you know the the presence and sort of dominance of uh, social media when it comes to fandom. Um, I feel like a lot of shows, if it's known that they, that they might not come back, you do see, uh, that support come out, but it was, I mean, it was really nice and it was, uh, I think a big factor. I mean, I'm totally guessing, but I think it was a big factor in the fact that we did get renewed. Um, you know, I, I don't understand the inner workings of network decisions when it comes to that stuff. I'm sure there are many, many factors that I'm not even aware of, uh, and I have no idea, you know, how much weight each of those factors gets, but, uh, it certainly didn't hurt. And I, and I feel like, um, the fact that we were sort of buzzing and trending a couple of times in those, uh, those weeks leading up to the upfronts or leading up to when CW made the announcement kind of tipped the scales. Like, I think we were right on the fence and that, that sort of pushed us over into the, uh, renewal for one more season box. Um, and it's, it's great to be able to, not only uh, get that one more season because we didn't feel like we uh, we didn't feel like it was a uh, tied up in a bow sort of ending to season four, even though some things I think were were meant to be sort of satisfying and closed. Um, we certainly felt like we were setting up another jumping off point for for more story. Um, and it's in a way it's like I mean I wish iZombie could go for many more years, but it's also nice to know that you're working toward a series finale, um, so that we're not leaving a cliffhanger so that we're not leaving any story on the table and we can just stuff every, every idea we've ever wanted to do. And I say we meaning basically Rob and Diane. Um, but you know, they can, they can do everything they wanted to do with the show into this last season and make it hopefully bigger and better than everything that preceded it and really finish it off in a way that gives everyone sort of closure and, and, uh, and does tie it up in a bow in a way that we, we never have because we sort of always expected to be back or at least expected, uh, or at least hope to be back, I should say. Um, but it's, it's nice to know that like, that's what we're doing. We're working toward an ending and we're not, you know, we're not, we're not trying to expand the world any further. We're trying to, uh, have our final say. As a fan, like one of my, like, like everyone in America, the wire is like one of my all time favorite shows. And I've heard Bill Simon. Yeah. Bill Simon. Yeah. Bill Simon. David Simon, I'm sorry. I was confusing Bill Simmons and David Simon. <laughs> uh, same guy. Uh, David Simon saying that, like, and, you know, a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And right. as much as I, I don't know, a lot of show, it's, like, I don't make TV, so I am not a critic. I don't have, but um, some of my favorite shows don't do so good after season five. There are some that do. Um, 
so we have no skin in the game. The Office, a show I, I'm, I don't know about you, I love that show. But like eight and nine, even seven, was just not doing it for me. And then my like feelings towards the entire series aren't there. But like Parks and Recreation and The Wire, I felt they just did it and done and they wrap the bow on it and they're never going to do a prequel. There's no sequels. There's no like, it's just done. Right. And, but then for me, it stays in my heart. And as a fan of said program forever, because it's like, you didn't fuck it up. You didn't like ruin it all at the end. And then right. I'm, I'm happy to, yeah. cause I, I, I love I zombie, but I want it. I'd rather have some like Seinfeld, how Jerry Seinfeld, like I'd rather have an end when it's good than go on until it's just like a cat. Like, like right. I love the Simpsons, but I haven't watched it in, there's more series of the episode. There's more seasons of The Simpsons that I have no idea about than than I actually love at this point. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that show's been on for decades, almost my whole life. Because I think it's been on what twenty six years. That sounds I'm right. Yeah, yeah. It's twenty. They're signed on to season thirty. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, if you can get a job there, man, do it. And and. <laughs> Obviously, in animation, you've got um, yeah, you've got certain considerations that you don't have to factor in, and uh, and that helps. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I fall in the same sort of fan category that you do, where uh, I do, I do like when there's a slight feeling of um, I could use a little more, but I'm I'm happy that I had the experience I did with a given show. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that in this era of you know sort of resurrecting and rebooting everything that the people in charge that's that you know fund all this stuff particularly care about how something lives in the hearts of you and i but um but yeah there is there is something nice about a show that leaves you wanting a little bit more and you never have that thing of like uh you know i i really enjoyed watching michael jordan play but uh sad when he was old and fat on the wizards well you mean you didn't like when he played uh baseball and then came back I didn't mind the baseball thing. I mean, not that I watched him play baseball, um, but uh, but when he unretired from basketball the second time and played for Washington for those two years, it was it was a bit of a tarnishment of a legacy. Uh, I think we'd all agree. Yeah, this is kind of a off topic, but um, have you had have you heard the conspiracy theory of why he played baseball? Yeah, the gambling. Yeah, thing. and because like the owner, someone high up in the Bulls owned the baseball team, and that was like their way of him like paying i don't know something it was like his punishment in a way so he didn't like they didn't tarnish him because he was just such a commodity to right. the, the brand of nba yeah i mean it would have been like the uh chicago white Sox scandal in 1918 like it would have been that devastating if if this conspiracy theory is true it sounded true to me i don't know yeah i mean i it's it's very viable um and uh, and I have no no problem believing it. Over his his stated explanation was that uh, after nine years, I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. I think a guy like that uh, would have to be forced out at his peak, mm-hmm. um, rather than uh, you know rather than just being a little bit pooped and a little bit bored. Especially because he comes back and like and right. And then we find out he's not a very good actor, but they wrote a movie just for his skill set that worked. Space. Right. You know, maybe it didn't work. I don't know. I haven't seen it since I was the age that it was when it came out. So. Yeah, I remember the soundtrack much better than the movie itself. You know, that's the first CD I ever bought. Is that right? Well, before that, it was like Weird Al. But then it was, um, I had, I bought, I remember, I went to Circuit City. Did you guys have those in Canada? I don't think we had Circuit City, but we had something called Future Shop that was about the same, I would think, which is now, I think, owned by Best Buy. So all in the same yeah, It was just one of those crappy like, stores. And I bought the No Doubts. I had Weird Al's Bad Hair Day, uh, No Doubts Tragic Kingdom, and the Space Jam soundtrack. Now, would these have been the first uh, albums period that you bought, and then it, CDs happened to be the format at that time? No, no, I had tapes before that. Okay. All These right. are just the first physical CDs I purchased because I probably had got a discman at this point. Right, I was about to feel very old, um, but yeah, that's a relief. I think my first CD was Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, is that is Lump on that song, or is that from something different? What's Lump? 
Remember the president of the United States of America? She's lump. She's lump. She's in my head. Nope. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the Weird Al parody of that song about Forrest Gump. Oh. <laughs> my apologies, everyone. It's like, no, that movie was set, you know, from the 50s to the 80s. Yeah. I mean. It's weird there wasn't a uh, punk rock band-ish. I don't know what they were. That The band who sang Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so oh my god forrest gump that's a that's a that's a good cd purchase oh yeah it was a thanks pair like, like a musical road trip through the uh <laughs> through the post-war baby boom years of america which kind of works out for your uh time and i zombie would need you to be like what was segregation like All right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah was, forrest gump is our is our uh bible for i zombie <laughs> Uh, one thing my friend Nikolai and my wife and anyone I know, and I don't actually know those people, but I've talked to them on Twitter. Rob and Steph, I think, who have the iZombie podcast yep. that you were yep. on, who seem like – I'm in their Facebook group too. They seem like the loveliest people. Um, but They're I see, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they seem lovely. Um, but the whole thing with the preacher, I believe – is he from the comic book? Uh, I don't think so. It's I, I haven't read the comics since before we were shooting the pilot, um, but I don't remember a preacher character. I think that was an independent, uh, you know, development from the brain of Rob Thomas. Well, bravo! Because one of my favorite scenes, which I don't made such a fucking statement, is uh, the scene where they're going through the city about you know selling all salvation, what all religions do, blah 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 blah. But they're right. actually giving away brains that give life. It's like it was just such a weird thing. It was yep. um, it was the first time you see someone proselytizing, but actually giving something. And you guys don't hit anyone over the hammer with it. Head. Well, no pun intended. But <laughs> but I just I'm, I'm, the visual of that scene was just like, oh my fucking god! Like the, I would I spent like ten minutes like getting real deep into that thought. I was like, that is so fucking brilliant. Like here is <laughs> someone who is promising you something but actually right. delivering it. Uh, well, again, I might as well, I have no idea whose, whose idea all that was. So I might as well take credit myself. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, uh, there would be no eye zombie without me. Oh, if absolutely. we can make sure that that's the headline of this podcast, I would appreciate it. I put it in my calendar, uh, as Bob zombie. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's like, what? Actually, we've decided to change the name for uh, season five. And it is now officially called Bob zombie. You guys wanted to compete with IHOB instead of IHOB. Right. <laughs> We're serving yeah. burgers on I, 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 Bob Zombie. Um, I, I really did like that storyline, though, with uh, how you guys used Blaine's father as the preacher and then how it all intersected. And at the end, where you find out he's actually a true believer. Right. <laughs> Blaine is such a piece of shit. And yeah, I, I still he, like him. He he really is. And that, again, I think that's a I mean, not to not to give all this credit. I'm trying to hoard away. But um, <laughs> David Anders makes everything fun. He makes the murdering of homeless teens fun. Um, I know. He, he does. He made that whole Angus story. Um, I mean, everyone who's in it is great, but I just – I really enjoy watching uh, Anders as Blaine. It's just so – it's so um, confusing because you know how horrible he is, and yet you're like, I, I want to hang out with this dude a little bit. Oh, my bit. God, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I don't, like, drink or do drugs – but if he offered it to me, I'd do it because he just seems like a fun guy. He does seem like a fun guy. Oh, actually, I, I don't know if I asked you this last time. So the actor that plays Donnie, so um, when I we actually rewatched all three seasons before season four started. Right. I forgot that he's actually the twin of someone in the Institute with Major. Scott E. Scott yeah. E. Uh, was that on purpose or do you guys just like the actor? We like the actor. His name's uh, Bryce Hodgson. He is, um, you know, we shoot up in Vancouver and uh, a lot of the roles we try to cast up in Vancouver as well for a number of reasons, uh, you know, budget being one of them. Um, and he was cast as, you know, Scotty, who was always just written as the, the victim of whatever episode that was. I want to say 109 or something. Uh, and they just loved him so much. There was so... Uh, so much that he was doing with his expressions and his timing. Uh, and, and it wasn't a huge role. And it, and it wasn't like he was chewing scenery. He just kind of nailed some of the, the nuance and the, like the space between lines. And, um, 
And so shortly thereafter, uh, uh, thereafter the, the shooting of those scenes and the, you know, watching the dailies and stuff, um, you know, Rob conjured the, you know, the idea, I guess, of, uh, I think it was Rob anyway, it might've been somebody else, but, uh, whoever it was, um, the idea came up of, of giving him a twin brother. And I don't know that we had intentions at that point or Rob and Diane had intentions at that point of, um, carrying Donnie through the rest of the season. I think it was just, let's give, you know, Blaine a right hand man for a little while. And, uh, and, um, let's cast this guy that we like and he's out of Vancouver and it's all very tidy, but you know, as with well, maybe there's another version of, of, um, uh, I zombie season two or three where Donnie, you know, falls to the same fate as those guys. But I think what happened was, um, he didn't, Bryce did not leave us that choice. He was just so good, uh, in everything that we gave him that we went the other way. We just, kept giving him more and more and more. Um, you know, the episode uh, I was credited with last year, we have a storyline where it's him and Major out on a, a mission to kidnap the daughter of, of the general who wants to leave Seattle. And that just came from, like, there was no uh, existing uh, sort of plot line that, that spoke to that up to the point that we had, you know, of what we had broken so far when we started discussing this episode and we didn't really have anything lined up for Major, and, and out of the blue, Rob just sort of said, you know, what's a way we can get Major and Donnie together? So it wasn't even, it was more just for the, the joy of, uh, uh, you know, of seeing more of Bryce and of pairing him with Buckley um, than anything else that led to that storyline. And of course, it you know, it, it fit the rest of the context of, of that world we were building. Um, and the, you know, the idea of the external threats was, uh, an important one to establish, but, uh, the genesis of it was just like, how do we get these two in like four or five scenes together over the course of the episode? Uh, and that was, you know, that was one of the more fun, uh, storylines in what for me was the most, the most fun episode I've gotten to write so far just cause it was, you know, spoke to some personal interest and all that. But that was that was one of the funnest parts of it. Totally separate from the Canada stuff and the hockey stuff, was just writing for you know Donnie being Donnie and Major being so fucking annoyed by him. Uh, it just played really well, and that's that's uh, the fact that we even had Donnie still in season four is really all about what Bryce brought to the table for a character that wasn't really anything but a murder victim, uh, you know, in in season one. The episode that you're just referring to, you're credited to, um, I don't know if this was intentional, but for some reason, that episode reminds me of the episode of The Sopranos where they get lost in the woods. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that yeah, one. Yeah, like that storyline specifically. I don't know. That episode had that and, – and that being one of my favorite episodes where it's just like a very dark show with this amazing comedic moments and you kind of take the two characters that never talk and then – I don't know. It was, it was wonderful. I, before we do wrap it up, I, the only thing I actually really did want to ask you, um, believe it or not, uh, anyway, we're going to get a party down, a soup, soup and crackers in there. <laughs> I think I tweeted that at you and I made myself laugh very hard. Well, um, John Enbaum is with us this season. He's been uh, periodically with us throughout the, the first four seasons, but um, but not for a couple of years now. Uh, but he's back this year as one of the executive producers, and he is one of the major uh, creative voices behind Party Down, along with Rob uh, and, and Dan Etheridge, one of our um, our other EPs. Uh, so if it was ever going to happen, I feel like it's going to happen, um, you know, courtesy of of the uh, extra Party Down connections we actually have on the show this year. But I can neither confirm nor deny that there will be a Super Crackers in. Uh, in New Seattle this season. If for some reason there is, I just want to be able to tell like my one friend that that was my idea, even though it's completely John's. <laughs> I just don't want her to ever look into it. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I don't have the uh, status to give you permission to do that, and yet I, I grant you permission anyway. <laughs> That's so wonderful. Um, but truly, this season, um, I I find myself like just kind of screaming at the top of my lungs to everyone that will listen to watch the show. There's just... There's something I, mean, I think Rob Thomas. That's like all the shows he does. He just cap, he capsulates this like fan base, and for whatever reason, it just hits. Like I love Party Down, I love Veronica Mars, and iZombie. It just 
I don't know. There's something about it. And and this, how lucky are you that you got to work on the one that lasted the longest? Uh, well, I feel very fortunate. But again, let's not forget that uh, I am I am the big wheel on iZombie. Uh, if anyone asks, uh, I am I am the creative voice responsible for everything you like about the show. Bob Zombie. Uh, I don't. Want- I don't want Rob to get uh, a big head about his career. I think we need to keep him in check, uh, and we should and we should give credit where it's due, which is is mostly to do you, officially. And I mean, it must be good knowing as a writer, knowing that you have one season left, so you could like plan your career out accordingly instead of like in like you could end and then look for work because you know what you're doing next. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's it's more um, the the way I would phrase it is I have a certain um, desperation now that I didn't have before that hopefully motivates me to get that next job because before I could I could at least in the back of my head say don't worry, I zombies coming back. It's if you don't you know get out there and hustle and, and finish your spec script or whatever. It's fine. You have a job. I know for sure I don't have a job on iZombie next season. So now there's the the uh, you know that part is missing. That little safety net in my subconscious is completely gone, uh, and I'm sort of shitting myself. And hopefully that uh, is is enough to actually spur me to to action and to to get that next job. Well, I'm, I'm sure you will, and that, I I feel like I'd be the same way. I'm like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> well, maybe you could start right. with that uh, party down iZombie crossover fan fiction that's going to be hitting the markets and making all the money. <laughs> I, I can't wait for it one way or the other. Whether I'm involved or not, that sounds like a uh, that sounds like a show waiting to happen. Be, I, I mean, you already have Ken Marino in there, but just if Ron could just pop, oh, just Ron, God, Ron. Right. <laughs> I yeah, I would love uh, I would love so much if there was more Ken Marino in this season, and and I hope I mean I, I think that's the the plan and the hope on our side, but. As with any of the guest stars we've had in the past, or any dream guest stars we would like to have in this last season, uh, you know, there's the the blue sky version of anything's possible, and then there's the realities of people's schedules and stuff like that. But uh, he is he is one of my favorites to watch. Uh, Ryan Hansen would be another one from you know the Rob the Rob Thomas universe uh, that would be so much fun to get back because uh, his character, as far as we know, is still alive. We could do anything we want with him. Um, and, uh, and you know, the, the lawyer that Ken plays is just so perfectly crazy. <laughs> he's so, like, he's like Saul Goodman, but just a little more animated. Yeah, yeah, and a little less, like, um, sort of boldly used car salesman-ish uh, than Saul, at least in his wardrobe and his, you know, the way he presents himself. But it, uh, that would be... Uh, you know, since since this is our last season, that would be one of my sort of hopes is that we can we can sort of luck into securing all of these guest stars and and really like overload with uh, with cameos that are fun because it's uh, the context and the tone of our show is um, it's just very conducive to having these sh- like showy one off roles and uh, and Rob's work with so many great comic actors that. Uh, you know, that can do these roles in their sleep and then some, uh, it would just be great to like every couple episodes throw one or two old, you know, Veronica Mars or Party Down uh, actors into the mix. Man, if, if you're doing a spinoff, I'm going Johnny Frost or uh, Ken Marino's character would be the two best to go with. Yeah. What if, what if for some reason they have to be roommates? I'd watch that show. I would watch the shit out of a show with those two actors. <laughs> I would even like watch them read the phone book. I don't know. Something about their voices. Like, I, they're like, right. oh my god. I don't know how you can get them together more, but if you can, that could be your thing. You should write a buddy comedy with those two. Right. I mean, it's that easy, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is indeed. And, uh, you know, we're only just starting to break season five and anything can change right now, but I feel like the one spoiler I, I should be comfortable giving you is that as it as it currently stands, you will be seeing Johnny Frost uh, again. Yes. Real soon. I love yeah. that man. He's such a talented actor and voice actor. Oh, he's so good. And and Rob is like uh, old old friend, like childhood friends with with Darren Norris, the actor that plays Johnny Frost. Um, and he, you know, he knows exactly how to write for him. Uh, and of course, Darren does a fantastic job with what's given to him. So, it's a it's a match made in childhood nostalgia. That's so sweet. Well, thank you so much for returning. Uh, where can people find you online? 
Uh, they typically can't. <laughs> they don't do much online. I do have a Twitter thing. Uh, it's at Dear Bobden. Uh, and I'm very happy to engage. I just, uh, I don't put stuff out there, uh, unsolicited very often unless it's during the airing of an episode I've written. Uh, but if, if people really want to find me, uh, that would be where. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> I've also done, well, I've, I deleted my Facebook and I'm reducing my social media intake and I found my life is much happier. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I, I am addicted to looking at all of the social media platforms, um, but then I, I sit in silent judgment of everybody who is constantly posting on them. So I'm uh, the perfect hypocrite for the social media age, I think. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you uh, so much. I'll like this. Probably go up uh, like July, probably in July, or since that's only a week away. Okay. And um, uh, cool. I'll be tweeting at you guys like crazy for when the season five comes around. Can't wait. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me again. I, I always have a good time talking eyes on and talking with you. So, you. Uh, by all means, I, I I intend and I hope we do right by your support with our plans for season five. You did with season four, and uh, I'll sure I'm gonna hit you up when season five comes back. Like you. Uh, you got to come back on and explain everything. It was amazing. I, I can't. Uh, I'd be more than more than happy awesome. to. More than happy to give my two cents. Anyway, I don't, I don't know that it's the official word on the show, but I, I'm always happy to offer my uh, slightly negative skewing, self-effacing opinion. Awesome. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs> All right, Chris. Okay. Take it easy. Well, hi there, everybody. This is Damien speaking to you from the Damien Riley Podcast. I'm based out of Victorville, California, about two hours from Vegas, Disneyland, Los Angeles, and Hollywood. I've been podcasting for a while now and have built a show that I hope entertains and maybe gets you thinking. The film as medium is so powerful. I review the films that you know and love and some you may be curious about. In each episode, I explore, quote, what makes this film work? I hope you subscribe to my podcast. The website is www.com thedamianreillypodcast.com and you can find me at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any place podcasts are served up. Well, that's the end of the introduction to my show. I hope you can make it and I will see you next time.